What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to Wine Soundtrack USA. Listen to the passion with which producers narrate their winery and their world in 30 Answers. Discover their stories, personalities, and passions. Hello, friends and listeners of Wine Soundtrack. This is Allison Levine, and today I'm in the lovely town of Sonoma in this beautiful old adobe where Three Sticks Wines is located, and I'm sitting with Ryan Pritchard, the director of winemaking for Three Sticks. So, Ryan, welcome to Wine Soundtrack, and tell us about Three Sticks Wines. Absolutely. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Um, and yeah, Three Sticks is uh, is a winery located in Sonoma. Like you said, um, we make primarily Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Um, we're sort of absolutely focused on that. Uh, we've got a couple of other wines that we make, but probably ninety five percent of what we do is Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Um, we have six estate vineyards located throughout Sonoma County, and produce estate wines from those. Uh, we make about 19 different wines from those. So it's a, it's a nice mix uh, from across all of these, these great vineyards. And we have some really notable vineyards that we own and um, in some cases sell fruit to other wineries as well. So uh, Durrell Vineyard, Gaps Crown Vineyard, uh, listeners may know of uh, with other producers. And then we have um, some estate properties that we produce solely, um, what we call our monopole wines. Wow. So um, you don't source any fruit. It's all estate fruit. As of now, yes. So we just have made that change. In the past, we actually were almost there for many years now. Mm -hmm. We've uh, we had two different wines that had that we purchased fruit from. Uh, one uh, was in Sebastopol in our Russian River blend, and then our Castaneda White, which is uh, from a dear friend and neighbor of Durrell. He actually was our uh, vineyard manager at Durrell from the beginning, so uh, we purchased fruit from him for a wine as well. But yeah, as of uh, as of now, going forward, uh, it's 100% estate. That's great. And your total case production? Right around 10,000 cases. And where can people find your wines? Are they available in markets across the U.S. or are they direct to consumer? Combination? Mostly direct to consumer. Yeah, it's um, primarily through our mailing list or our wine club. That's where we sell most of our wine. We do sell a little bit to restaurants out. Uh, throughout the United States. You might be able to find it in some restaurants around, but I always tell people not to count on it because <laughs> people always say, you know, I, I didn't see, I don't see it. I'm looking for it. And, it's, you know, we, we have, like I said, 19 wines, maybe four of them are in distribution in small quantities. So you, you might get lucky and find it somewhere, but, um, but direct to com- consumer is really the way we do it. Great. So um, I'm curious what your memory relevant to first memory relevant to wine is um, getting out of being a winemaker and living in all this. What do you what what's that first memory and how old were you? Well, it's int- I grew up in Berkeley, um, California here, so uh, not far from wine country. But growing up, uh, we weren't really a wine drinking family per se. Um, you know, we definitely had wine uh, at the table sometimes. Uh, I, I remember it more so sort of in high school as I, that's when I started to kind of become aware, um, you know, this is now in the 80s. So 
Sonoma and Napa were kind of um, hitting their stride or, uh, after the Paris tasting in the late 70s. Um, so it was, it was something that wasn't uh, super prevalent at the table, but uh, was definitely around. And I remember in college was when I sort of, you know, I, uh, there was a wine appreciation course that uh, was offered at Cornell uh, through the hotel school and uh, all the seniors take it and everyone, you know, walks around campus with their little... Free alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> approved, school approved drinking. You, you're, yeah, you, you, you get to uh, take a class or you get to drink. So it's, it, was, it was something everyone took. And it's actually the most failed class at Cornell as well. <laughs> but That's actually pretty funny. <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was a sort of... I knew that, uh, that we had the wine industry here uh, in California. And it was something I, I just kind of had an appreciation for and wanted to learn a little bit about, knowing that... Um, you know, it'd be helpful sort of later on in life. And um, so I did that. Um, and then I also kind of came home and we had some family friends who live up in Anderson Valley and they would make wine, home wine every year. Uh, he's a doctor and would just, you know, bring in a half ton of Pinot one year or a half ton of Cabernet and, and make it at home. And so uh, he would bring these uh, wines to Christmas parties and things. And um, they were pretty good. <laughs> so I said, this is kind of interesting. You can make your own wine and, and, um, and share it. And sort That's of pretty cool. That was, that was my first aha into, oh, I could, I maybe could do this. And, you know, beer making was starting to happen out in, you know, uh-huh. out and around. And so friends were making beer. I tried making beer uh, a couple times and, um, and then I said, well, let's just go to wine. That's, that's just the, uh, <laughs> it gives me one chance a year instead of, uh, you know, every six weeks. So I, I don't take the put, pressure off. Yeah. We'll put more pressure on. It's a little bit of both. But, <laughs> but. So, so you said that was one of your first aha moments. What would you say is, is there one memorable wine that stands out along I'm, a lot of great wine drinking that I'm sure you've had. And, you know, I know we were talking before and you traveled to France for barrels and I'm sure you drink a lot of great wine there, but along the way, is there one wine that stands out um, in your mind as one of those aha moment wines or super memorable? And it might've just been the occasion. Yeah. I mean, I would say um, one of those was in that class. So, you know, we, it was, we would basically every day we would get to or every, you know, every day that we had class once a week, uh, we would learn about a new region. And then at the end of the class, we would taste six wines from that region. And usually it was, you know, there'd be a $10 bottle of wine and then there was a 20 and there, it was a nice mix of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also had this incredible cellar that, um, you know, past alumni would donate their cellars uh, at some point in their life. And uh, so we had access to some really cool wines. And so I remember we were learning about Pinot Noir. And at the end of that class, the last wine was a 1952 Gevray Chambertin. And, and, you know, we're, we're going from a $20 Pinot to a, you know, I don't even know what the, what, I don't even remember the, the label. Like but you I, can't get your hands on it, Pinot. Yeah, but it was one of those things where you said, okay, it really showed how wine uh, can evolve and the the nuance of wine. And I remember tasting it, just saying, "Wow!" Like the it made me really wake up and understand the differences uh, and kind of the magic that that wine has. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a living, breathing thing, and it doesn't change until it turns completely to vinegar. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's so cool. So. 
Now, if we were to come to your home, I'm sure you don't, maybe you do, but I, I highly doubt you have any 1952 Gevray Chambertam hidden in the cellar. Yeah. But what kind of things would we find in your cellar? What do you have at home? Well, I've got a couple bottles of three sticks in there, of course. <laughs> um, but, you know, I love drinking. I love drinking Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, but I also kind of seek out things that I don't get to taste all that often. Um, you know, whether it's Mencia from Spain or, um, you know, Gamay from France, just things that I, I, I don't, there's not a lot of here in Sonoma County. Um, and so you'll probably find a lot of things that are just kind of weird and different and um, not necessarily particularly expensive, but um, just I love trying new uh, and different wines from different regions around the world. So is there anything that you've opened up recently that drank really well? Yes, uh, there's a lot. Um, the, the, my newest one uh, recently was a, a Gamay from um, uh, Beaujolais. It was a Cru Beaujolais, and so they're, you know, Yum. yeah, it was. It, again, it was a twenty dollar bottle of wine. Dominique Perron, I think, was the name of the producer, and they just, you know, it's kind of like uh, there, there's a lot of similar things with Gamay and, and Pinot Noir, and um, it was it's just a, a wine that was pl- pleasurable. Um, you know, you could just open up and uh, have with dinner. It wasn't not a whole lot of fuss, but just delicious wine. And um, I've had a couple of bottles from them recently, and I just every time enjoy it. So that's that's what it's all about, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, speaking of enjoying wine, um, you said you know Gamay, just pop it open and and enjoy it with food. How do you look at food and wine pairing? Do you think that it is um, something, there are rules, are there tips you look for? Are there some generalities that you um, think about wine first, food first, or um, you just go for a Pinot and, or a Gamay light bodied red and you're done? Well, I think <laughs> it, it shows probably the, the wines that I like to drink, um, both with food and without food are very similar, I think. Um, I I think that wine and food pairing sometimes gets a little bit too, people get a little bit too um, uh, detailed with it and a little bit too in, in the weeds with it. Um, I think that a, a, a good Pinot Noir will probably, you know, go with a lot of different things, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, yes, there are going to be certain dishes and certain ingredients that will not go great with, with Pinot or with maybe any wine. You know, I, I think raw onions don't generally work out for me. I that's all I taste for the next couple hours, right? So I, I try found to, that perfect pairing, huh? No, I'm still looking for it. But it's you know I, I think in general, um, you know, if you're looking for a big bold red, yeah, sure that that needs something to stand up for uh, to it, um, and maybe similarly like a sweet wine or or something that's really really super tart, like a rip the enamel off your teeth type stuff. Yeah, you want those to be, but. A lot of the wines sort of in the middle, I'll say, mm-hmm. um, where they have maybe a, a mild tannic profile um, or maybe a Chardonnay that isn't ripping the enamel off your teeth. Um, I think they, they work with more things than people give them credit for. And I think we've done a bunch of different tastings here where, you know, we'll, we paired some, um, you know, paella with uh, two, a red and a white wine. And it worked wonderfully because you had... Uh, the white wine brought out some of the citrus or you know things within that dish and then the red wine there's some uh, chorizo in there and that brought out that and, and it really worked with both both of those things and it's not necessarily a dish you would say would work with a, a white and a red wine right uh, so Interesting. Um, I'm I'm very open to it um, uh, I 
I don't um, go in with sort of a hard and fast um, uh, sort of ideology with it. And sometimes that, that means... When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I find some duds, but <laughs> but, it, but I think it, it works out more often than it doesn't. Well, so as a wine drinker, red, white, or rosé? Uh, it depends on the temperature. <laughs> if it's if it's hot outside, I'm probably going white. If it's cold, I'll probably go red. I probably drink, uh, you know, maybe 70% red wine, I would say, and, you know, 30% white. But, okay. Um, but in the summertime, that flips. But it's flips. seasonal. Yeah. Seasonal. And still or sparkling? Ooh, I can almost never turn down a sparkling if, <laughs> if it's around. So uh, while I drink a lot more still, um, sparkling when it's open is number one. <laughs> so do you think there's a such thing as a perfect variety? Uh, you, work, you work primarily with two grapes, um, but love to explore all these different wines of the world. I mean, do you think there's a such thing as perfection and a perfect variety? I think perf perfection is, uh, is experiential is, and it's, it's also time um, bound. Um, yes, I think you can have that perfect wine, but it doesn't mean that it is perfect always. Mm -hmm. um, and I think um, you can, it's, it's who you're drinking with, it's what you're drinking, it's what food you're having it with, it's, uh, you know, your emotional state at that time. Um, and sure, there's, uh, I've had plenty of perfect wines um, <laughs> in my life. Um, but not perfect varieties. I would, no, I would say there's not something that's perfect all the time. I love Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, that's what I make and that's what I love to, to drink. And mm -hmm. I would say they are probably more perfect than others, but, <laughs> but, uh, but, but, you know, just like um, anything, perfection is, is only the time you do it and you got to do it again. Uh, you know, you, you can, if you're a gymnast, right, you can hit that vault and you can get it perfect once, but it doesn't mean you're a perfect gymnast. Right. Very, that's a very fair assessment. So, you know, a lot of people aspire for that uh, level of perfection or, or kind of reaching those high levels, the 10 in the vault. Um, and a lot is gauged by wine critics and scores. So I'm curious what your opinion is of wine critics and scores. I think that um, they play a really important part in, in our landscape. I mean, I, I know that when I walk into a, a wine shop um, and see that sea of wine that surrounds me, um, I first will usually talk to somebody there and, and get an understanding, but that's honestly not always available uh, when you go into uh, to certain places that sell wine, right? right. <laughs> your, your great wine shops, yeah, you they, they'll, they'll curate that for you. but there are a lot of places that don't. And so you need to have some kind of uh, third party out there that can help you along the way. And, um, you know, I think critics play that role. And, um, you know, whether or not the perfect score wines um, match up, um, you know, I've had 100 point wines that were really, really, really good. And I've had 100 point wines that, eh, they were, they were good, but I don't know if I'd call them perfect. But I think generally, 
uh, that's okay. Um, you know, that, that wine on that day, maybe I didn't have the perfect bottle uh, version of that. And so um, I think they give you general guides and I think um, as a consumer, Having that, uh, having that reviewer that you may follow, that you may, you know, trust their opinion, um, mm -hmm. allows you to wade through all of this. Uh, it's wine is kind of unlike any other product um, that you might see. If you go to the grocery store, I mean, it's getting more and more now. But you know, you go into the ketchup aisle, and it's, you know, you got maybe ten choices. And now, um, back in the day, it was probably two. Right. Um, and so there's very few products that you have hundreds of different options and, they, and they're so varying. Um, and so having someone help you navigate that I think is an important thing for the industry. Absolutely. So for somebody who hasn't had the pleasure to try Three Sticks Wines yet, what do you think they're missing out on? Well, I think um, first and foremost, it's our you know our vineyard sites are phenomenal, and so uh, you know Rob Harris, our um, vineyard manager, is uh, does a great job with our vineyards. We have these sites that are um, just historical and um, and fantastic in their own right, and so you you layer in great farming on top of great sites, and then um, you know hopefully we're doing our job in the cellar, making <laughs> great wine as well. Um, I think, yeah, it's, it's uh, my goal with these wines is to have fresh, um, vibrant wines that are delicious when you pop them now and will age for, for years to come. We're actually later today going to do a, a vertical um, all the way back to the first wines made here. Uh, so we're going to do a, a Pinot Noir Durrell Vineyard Vertical today. And so we'll be tasting wines from 2002 all the way up through uh, current release. And so getting to, getting to, you know, revisit those. And we, we try to do that, you know, uh, periodically to go through wines and, and taste what the vineyards um, have shown over all these years and get a sense of um, how these wines are doing out. Amazing. It's almost a 20 year, ver 19 year vertical because I don't think 2022 is out yet, right? Not yet. No, <laughs> but we will taste it. <laughs> so we will taste it out of, out of barrel. So yeah. yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so if space aliens were to land on your property right now, land here in the middle of the Adobe, which of your wines would you want to offer them as a way to say, this is three sticks? Ooh. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I think we would have to probably go back with something that's you know had a little bit of age, but not uh, necessarily um, been out there for a long time. Maybe something from you know 2015, 2016. So it's got uh, a few years under its belt. Uh, has sort of started to get into those secondary notes. Um, our Durrell Pinots uh, that we'll be tasting uh, today that I mentioned, I think would be a great example. Durrell has this great history uh, within the Sonoma wine world here. Uh, it's kind of one of the Grand Cru's. Mm -hmm. um, so I think a Pinot or Chard from Durrell would be a great introduction into the Sonoma wine scene and, and, and our wines as well. So um, when you say like a 2015, I mean, in your tasting room, you're doing current releases. Do people have the opportunity to taste older vintages when they come here? Sometimes, yes. Sometimes we will have uh, a, an older wine that will break out. Um, it really kind of depends on the year, time of year, what we've got available. Um, one of the, the downsides of, um, you know, where we're at right now is sometimes we sell through our wines. Once our release goes out, we'll sell through our wines pretty quickly. And so... You know, if it's right at our release, you might be able to taste uh, certain wines, and then as uh, as it goes on, we run out of wines and can't 
can't actually serve them anymore. So um, sometimes at that point we'll bring out, um, since we don't have our current releases, we might bring out something older or... Um, uh, but if you're a space alien, you will definitely get an older vintage. We'll find one for you if you're a space alien. In fact, if you're a space alien, I, we might we might be running away. <laughs> so you were talking about your vineyards. You said you have six vineyards. I know you're not the vineyard manager. You're the winemaker. But um, I'm, I assume you spend time in the vineyard, in vineyards. Um, and when you're in the vineyards, are you looking for any sort of signs or predictors that are going to tell you what a vintage is going to give you? Yeah, I mean, I think all all year, every year, we are we are watching the vine, and um, I don't think that I I always try to steer away from making predictions on a year because um, you know it, the I mean this is one of the the things with farming is you can have the perfect year all the way through, and then a rain may come right you know a week before harvesting and and wipe it all out you know yeah. so. Um, I think uh, farmers are uh, superstitious and, uh, and and know not to speak too much uh, until the grapes are picked, and even then they <laughs> they hedge a little bit. But um, yeah, I think that's that's the best day in a farmer's. Uh, you know, any any grape grower's life is the day that they drop the fruit off at the winery and can walk away saying they've done the best they can. Yeah, no one's hedging their bets on Mother Nature. No, Mother Nature, <laughs> Mother Nature always wins. <laughs> So when you're, you've been making wine for a number of years. How many how many harvests have you done? Who I've done probably uh, eighteen harvests now. Wow. Yeah. All in Sonoma? Uh, no, actually. I mean, uh, I actually work helped uh, make some wine out in Colorado for a couple of years. Wow. Um, I I came to wine as a second career, so I was doing the home winemaking thing and helping out at other wineries for a few years before I jumped in full-time um, so I've been in uh, in Sonoma since 2008 harvest okay so you have over 10 years um, in this valley um, if I did my math yes. right oh well, <laughs> getting into 15 um, and I'm curious what your how you look at vintage variation do you see a lot of variation from year to year do you see a lot of commonality i mean we know every vintage is different we don't as you were just saying that you never know what mother nature is going to give you but how much variation do you see here and and where do you see that coming out in the wines i definitely see see it i mean um every single year with maybe a few exceptions you know 18 and 19 in in recent memory were were fairly similar we had fairly similar growing seasons but there were still differences you know you have um temperatures may be the same but yields may be different so you may have more fruit coming off of one harvest and that impacts uh, what the flavors will be like in that given year um, I think in California we do have a little bit of a benefit, um, you know, in that generally we get things ripe. Mm -hmm. um, that is not something that's not an issue for us generally. Um, I guess with the exception of you know uh, fires or uh, rains or <laughs> something like that. But um, you know, in you know, let's say if we're thinking of the old world in France, you have a, lo a lot more variability where there's certain years where they just they couldn't get the fruit ripe at all. And so that's not really something we generally have to worry about out here. But that being said, um, you know, you have different yields, you have different cycles throughout that year. Um, uh, what's it looking? I mean, right now it's been raining for <laughs> for a good Forever. long while. We're ready. We're ready for that to, to slow down a little bit. Um, but you know, so that will impact the the fruit that comes off this year, and um, and 
So, it, and it really just depends on not just when this, you know, that. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This stuff happens, but when this stuff happens. So you can have rains, you know, you can have flooding all through the year. Um, up until now and it not really affect the fruit very much well if that were to happen in the summertime you better bet that's <laughs> right. going to affect it <laughs> absolutely and so thankfully in, in california we don't generally have those problems but we do have isolated incidents uh frost uh, we had some frost issues last year um specifically not so much in sonoma but um you know sierra foothills and oregon had terrible frost so those t- types of things definitely hit us every year and something that we um, hope don't. <laughs> Absolutely. So you were talking about how farmers are superstitious. I know that you are a winemaker. You're not the vineyard manager, but I'm sure you have some uh, superstitious tendencies. So I'm curious, um, two things. Uh, one, do you have any, um, you know, sort of uh, rituals or, or uh, yeah, rituals that you do at the start of harvest as a sort of a superstition like Sure. This is how we have to do it. Yeah, it, you know, um, we have a bunch of things that we do, and those have sort of evolved over the years. I, you know, we do uh, we toast the harvest every year, um, where we sort of uh, bless the first grapes that uh, that hit the line with. Uh, with a sparkling wine, mm-hmm. um, and we actually had a French intern last year whose family made sparkling wine, so we used his, which nice. was which was great. <laughs> um, there are all sorts of things throughout the throughout harvest, whether it's songs that we play at di- different times to uh, you know to initiate some some things that are going on in the winery. Uh, we, we do press offs, and sometimes we'll play a song when that press starts and. Um, we play some jock jams during uh, during punch downs to get people going. <laughs> well, so uh, speaking of playing music to get people going, and this is part of the other superstition, when you're in the vineyards, um, do you find, sometimes we hear about people communing with nature. Do you talk to your vines? Do you speak to the grapes? Or when they're in the winery, is playing music a way to communicate with the grapes? And, and what are you trying to tell them all the or what yeah. do you say to them? I don't know that it's uh, that it's trying to communicate to the grapes specifically. Usually, it's more trying to communicate to our own selves and our own <laughs> emotions. And uh, you know, so when I'm out in the in the vineyards, generally, I'm I'm not listening to music. I'm sort of listening to what's going on around the 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 sounds of Mother Nature, um, the birds, the you know, the hawks and and whatnot. Um, in the winery, um, yeah, jock jams definitely not trying to uh, talk to the grapes. With that. That's that's <laughs> trying to get the uh, the seven interns uh, going and and pumping into the day so that we can we I can. Love it. You call it jock jams. Like, what's an example of a, a great jock jam that you play? 
Oh, like, uh, I don't know. CC Peniston or you know any of the the 90s <laughs> 90s rock you know 90s hip hop um, jock jams high yeah. energy yeah just uh, <laughs> hard to sit still if you heard those right CC Music Factory yeah <laughs> so you said that you didn't come to wine I mean obviously you talked about earlier how you were introduced to wine and it's always sort of intrigued you since college but you said you had a previous career so when you were little what did you want to be when you grew up and then what did you end up doing prior to wine? Yeah, so uh, when I was really little, I wanted to be a sports doctor, but I think that was just because I wanted to, you know, doctors sounded really important and uh, and I like sports. Uh, <laughs> but I realized, uh, you know, midway through high school that that wasn't what I was really interested in. I um, went to Cornell to be an engineer and, and or an architect. So that was kind of my, I loved buildings, I loved uh, architecture just in general, and uh, wanted to potentially get into that. And engineering I ended up choosing because it kind of gave me a little bit more breadth, a little bit more um, a little bit more options. And then once I was in, at school, I ended up going into operations research and industrial engineering, which is essentially like process engineering. How do you make anything better? Um, and so I went into management consulting after after college and did that for a number of years. And most of the things we were making better were, you know, in installing software systems to make things, um, you know, more efficient and things like that, which I liked, but I didn't love. It was not producing something that, that really sort of spoke to me. And so when I learned about wine and started really getting into it, it was, that was something where, you know, yes, you could. You're constantly trying to find the best way to 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 make these wines, to grow these grapes. You know, what what can you do better in the cellar to to make these wines um, spectacular? And and you had this product that was just sort of such a fabric of culture and mm -hmm. food, and 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 it changed with time too. So even when you, you know, normally when you you make something, you look at it and you say, yes, I did a great job, and that's great. Well, with wine you now need to worry about that wine for the rest of its life, right? Uh, and, and so it's kind of like raising kids. <laughs> you know, you're never really done. <laughs> never, ever, ever. So speaking of that, I know you have kids and you, and you were saying they're, they're on spring break right now, but when you're, when you're not working and not busy on spring break, what do you do in your free time? It's, it is, it's spending a lot of time with my family. You know, we, um, I spend a lot of time at the winery um, throughout the year. So when, when I'm at home, I'm, I'm spending time with them. We're um, going to soccer practice. We're, um, you know, taking trips as a family. That's, that's where um, I spend most of my time outside of uh, work and um, something that I love. And you mentioned that you were a sports fan because you were going to be a sports doctor. Yep. Um, is there a particular sport or a particular team that you're a big fan of? I mean, you are from the Bay Area, so I have a few guesses. I'm an Oakland A's fan. Um, <laughs> it's been a rough. It's been a rough go for a number of years here now. And, but you're and a loyalist. I'm a loyalist, uh, and as long as they don't move to Las Vegas, then I don't know if I can do it anymore. But <laughs> well, if they stay in Oakland and they eventually were to win a championship, which of your wines would you want to give them as a congratulations? Ooh, I'm trying to think if there's any like play on words with any of our wines Ooh. that would go, but I don't 
think there would be. I would have to go with our Cuvée Eva Marie. I think that's that's sort of our barrel selection. That is our wine. That is the the uh, you know the genesis, uh, the, the 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 top of what we do. I think, um, and it's a wine that is shows both place uh, and a selection of that place, a very small selection from that place. So we do a barrel selection on the wines that come from the One Sky Vineyard uh, and and some some other vineyards that uh, will will soon be. I'm 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 hedging right now because <laughs> right now that wine is specifically from the One Sky Vineyard. Uh, in future releases, it will be from all of our vineyards. The the best barrels from all of our vineyards blended together. Blended together. Ah. So um, that would be that would be one uh, if. If they win it next year, then they'll get they'll get the Cuvée Vimery from one sky. <laughs> well, let's hope that they win. <laughs> I'll save a bottle for them. <laughs> so, when you're planning a really romantic evening for you and your wife, when you know you got the kids off and you you actually have time to sit down, I'm sure you have wine often. But what kind of wines make for a romantic evening versus just a Tuesday night? Well, I think you got to go back to sparkling again. Um, champagne, uh, I, you know, people ask sometimes, you know, what's your favorite wine that you've ever had? And I think one of my favorites, at least, I don't know if I could ever say which one was the favorite, but uh, <laughs> my wife and I, on our 10th anniversary, wedding anniversary, we went out to a old restaurant that we had gone to and, you know, pre- prior to being married and, uh, and brought a, a vintage Dom Perignon and it was just perfect you know and um and i think like i said it's it's who you're with what what you're celebrating and the wine itself and and you hit perfection and we did spark <laughs> sparkling uh you know great great champagne is uh is hard to hard to miss on so when you look back at your career and maybe your previous career although you know, as much as you said you enjoyed it, it didn't great, give great satisfaction. But is there something you look at along your career that you say is one of your proudest achievements to date? Proudest achievements over time. Um, you know, I think sometimes it's not necessarily the best wines that you make. Sometimes it's the the wines that you've struggled through or the the things that you've uh, you've taken something that wasn't didn't didn't you didn't have an, a high expectation for but you worked really hard at and um, and were able to sort of turn that into something um, really really good mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe it wasn't the best again but it was really really good I think those are the ones where uh, I, I tend to look to and say that's those those are proud proud moments where mm-hmm. where you've uh, you've turned something from good to better and when, you know another question another thought provoking question mm-hmm. is you have children so I'm sure you're giving them advice all of the time but I'm curious if there's a piece of advice someone gave to you along the way that you know you like to you try to live your life by or how you approach winemaking or or work or or anything yeah I remember um my one of my aunts one time came to me and was talking about my dad and saying you know like you know i'm really love that your dad followed his passion my dad was a photographer and or is a photographer (laughs) and um and i that really stuck with me because um you know it it's not necessarily the you know you don't necessarily go after money you don't go after fame you just go after what you love and um, that's what he did and um, it's eventually what I did and um, I would say the same thing for for my kids is just do something you love do something that you love to do every day and 
and it doesn't really feel like work if if that's what you're doing and if you are good at it and you um, you know you spend the time to to do that to the best of your abilities it will more than likely work out mm -hmm. um, now there's probably people out there now who are saying you know I did the same thing and I'm still making nothing <laughs> it's not working out <laughs> but uh, but you know uh, I think there are there are ways to uh, to make a livelihood out of uh, the things that you love to do and I think it's worth worthwhile absolutely so complete the sentence for me a table without wine is like an empty table <laughs> I we talk a lot about we talk a lot about table fellowship here at Three Sticks, and um, it's you know it's gathering around the table and it's uh, sharing wine, sharing food, sharing relationships. And I say that empty table in jest. You can obviously have those those relationships and and meaningful experiences without it. But to me, it's um, it's one thing that that adds and completes um, that that process. And so. You know, uh, it's something that I, I love to do, but um, I've had some great conversations with that wine as well. <laughs> well, you're saying that it's a, a table is a place to gather and to share wine, and there's an empty seat next to you, and your wine's on the table. Who from any walk of life, living or deceased, would you love to be sitting in that seat, sharing a bottle of wine, gathering with you, and chatting about wine and life? Um, there's... I think any of the people that I think about, uh, they probably would, I, I don't know if I would be so excited to actually have them, you know, someone like Abraham Lincoln across the way, <laughs> probably scare me pretty. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'd have that, that great know. of a time, but. <laughs> Although once he has a glass of wine in his hand, you never know. <laughs> right, no, it's, uh, you know, there are so many, uh, so many people from, from uh, history and, um, you know, that, that sharing these bottles of wine would be phenomenal, but um, quite frankly, it's um, doing it with family. Um, that's who who I would love to, you know, I, I wouldn't be scared of that. Right. <laughs> so, you know, my parents, um, you know, my grandparents, uh, being able to share that with them would be, uh, would be wonderful. Um, we've talked about a little bit about uh vintages you were talking earlier about uh vintage variation and some of the extreme weathers we've had and um where do you see where do you see wine in 300 years or so or beyond do you think we'll be making wine and drinking wine well beyond our lives i yeah we we have to be uh i mean it's it's one of the uh the oldest uh oldest beverages uh in time now it's been hundreds of years uh in the making, uh, and uh, and it will. I think it will certainly continue. I think um, it will definitely look different. Uh, it probably won't be in the same places, but I think that's another great thing as well. Is as we learn more and more about wine, and learn more and more about what grows well. You know, even in California, we're sort of still at the infancy of of winemaking, and mm -hmm. so um, you know, we're going to be really good in 300 years. <laughs> It's, and it, and it may be you know we may be doing it in Alaska but it, right. um, but it'll be it'll be happening somewhere for sure. Um, and if unfortunately you know the world were to end tomorrow and you were uh, sent off to a deserted island or the world didn't end but you were sent off to a deserted island, which three wines would you want to take with you? Ooh, three wines. Mm -hmm. I would have to probably have um, a. A Chablis on that island with me because uh, you know an I desert island uh, with Chablis is kind of perfect <laughs> um, uh, 
Um, Any I would, particular producer? Um, not specifically. I love uh, Le Clos Vineyard is one of my favorite vineyards from out there. So uh, I've had some great wines from a number of different producers that, that do that. Um, so that would probably be a fun one to have out there. Um, I would say we'd have to have a three sticks Pinot um, along with that because um, after you know, all, all your hard work, you want to remember work. it. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd like to see how that wine ages on a deserted island. <laughs> and then, oh, um, uh, I can't say sparkling because we've already talked a little bit too much about sparkling, but it would be pretty pretty nice out on that island. Um, uh, you can always you, say sparkling. Well, you know, yeah, it's, <laughs> sparkling sparkling would be great, but, but you know. I think to round it out, uh, you know, maybe there's a maybe there's a Rhone a Rhone blend out there as well, just to kind of uh, mix it up a little bit, have something with a little bit more weight, um, and maybe I'd maybe there'd be like a, a steak that floated in one day, and we could we could have it with. <laughs> Ryan, you've been a great sport, but I'm going to challenge you one more time. Um, Looking at your wines, we're, we're coming to the end here, and now we're going to, based on some of the wines you're making, and a great way to express your wines, um, to pair them with music, sort of what you'd want to be listening to, what it reminds you of. Now, you've spoke a lot about the Durrell Vineyard um, uh, Pinot Noir, so maybe we can start there. So Durrell specifically, Durrell has sort of like an earthiness to it and fruit. Um, so I think in terms of music with that, I would go with something like a little bit more, a uh, uh, little folksy or something like that. Uh, you know, it, it, a little bit of a uh, little guitar, maybe a little banjo, a little ba- you know, stand-up bass with it. Um, we we do these uh, destination drill where we have a, a a big party in the vineyard every year, and so that's that's typically kind of the music and the vibe that we have there, and it and it fits. It's kind of like. It's not quite country, but a little folksy. Um, um, yeah, so I, I'd probably go with that for that. And then, you know, you go to something like a Gap's Crown um, or something that's a little bit farther out in the Sonoma Coast, and then you get into these more, like, ethereal, um, I don't know, like, ele- electronic music, uh, maybe, like, a ambient electronic where you've got this, like, fog rolling in and just kind of this... Just, just soundscapes around you. I think is something that that would work well with gaps. I like that. I like how you gave me two two wines there. <laughs> um, so, what about your Chardonnay, Russian River Valley um, Chardonnay? This is um, what I have in front of me, Alana Vineyard. So, it's a single vineyard um, Chardonnay. What about this one? Yeah. So, Alana is another one of those sort of uh, Sonoma Coast. Uh, it is amongst the redwoods. So, uh, it's you know, it kind of almost reminds you of uh, the Ewoks in Star Wars, right? Like uh, these big redwoods. And then you've got these little sort of clearings throughout um, that area. And that is where the Alana Vineyard is. And so it's kind of similar to that Gap's Crown that I was saying, but it's, uh, but I don't know what the, what the Ewoks music is, but there's, there's a, there's a song they sing and maybe that would work. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, what about your um, Sonoma Mountain Pinot Noir? Yeah, our Sonoma Mountain Pinot, so that's where our Cuvée Eva Marie um, comes from. That's really high atop the Sonoma Mountain. It's, um, you know, above above the valley, above the clouds. It's kind of super airy and light. Um, that would probably be like a, a big sort of orchestral... Um, I don't know. Some, <laughs> just something, something 
big and you know the 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 violins and the and the cellos kind of just go uh and it's just it's it's bigger than life and um you know maybe a big a big drum or a french horn thrown in there as well but it's uh uh, that that vineyard is is really spectacular sitting above you know they grow um cabernet down in the valley below but you go up this mountain and we're at 1500 feet so it's uh it's soaring up there above everything else wow well, I won't put any more pressure on you for, for <laughs> music and wine. <laughs> so I have a final two-part question for you. First is, I know that you're going to France in two days. So, I mean, I know you're traveling um, into other wine regions, but what wine region is at the top of your bucket list to explore? Well, I've got... Um, I think New Zealand is the place that I really want to get to, both from for a wine and for a, a vacation kind of spot. Uh, it, you know, uh, everyone I've ever talked to who's been down that way, I've, I've never been down there. Um, so it's it's something there, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, and obviously they've got Sauvignon Blanc, but I would be a little bit more interested in the Pinot and Chard um, side of it. But just the spectacular beauty down there, the. Um, and the wines that I've had from there have been spectacular as well. So um, that's that's kind of uh, on my bucket list, and we'd probably go to Australia as well if we if, yeah. we, if we made it down there. <laughs> it's a long trip, but both deserve equal like long trips. Yeah, and- you can't. You, you don't want to. I we were just. Uh, I was at the aquarium with my son, and they were. Uh, we were watching a, a movie on um, Australia, and I was just like the vastness of it. Right, it, yeah. it was just so vast and. Like to go there, you, you would need weeks and weeks. Like you just can't, you can't pop over there for a five-day trip, right? No, no. <laughs> but New Zealand really is one. I've been there, and it's really one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. And there are a lot of beautiful places, including Sonoma, yes. where we are. And um, the final question, or a part of that, is if people want to come visit you, how can they find you? How can they find your wines? And what kind of experiences can they have here? Yeah, so um, the easiest way to find us is just go to our website, threestickswines.com. Um, uh, you can call us to make reservations to come out to our adobe. We have a tasting room right off the square in Sonoma, which is great. Um, it's a <clears throat> historical site. Uh, it's the second oldest residence in the town of Sonoma. So Sonoma has this rich California history um, with it um, being sort of the, the birthplace of California. And um, and you come to the Adobe and you get a little bit of that. You get um, a real sort of intimate sit-down tasting. Uh, we do um, just a couple of tastings a day in a couple of different spots where people sit down and it's a sort of a curated uh, experience. Um, we've got uh, wine and food pairings you can do. We've got different experiences based on the different time of year that you might come. So we've done oysters, we've done caviar, we've done, um, you know, it's... Uh, potato chips, <laughs> popcorn, uh, it, depending, yeah, depending on the time of year and, and sort of when you come, um, we offer different experiences and um, really just a chance to, to taste our wines in a, in a beautiful setting and uh, hopefully um, allow people to, to sit back and relax a little bit too. Well, fantastic. I mean, right now the sun is shining and there's the outdoor and indoor and it is just off the square and it's very peaceful. So if you're heading to Sonoma, definitely come to Three Sticks Wines. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us on Wine Soundtrack. I hope you had fun. (laughs) It it was great and a lot of good thought-provoking things that I'll have to mull over here for the future. Well, um, 
Thank you for joining us and cheers. Cheers. (laughs) Thanks for listening to a new episode of Wine Soundtrack USA. For details and updates, visit our website, winesoundtrack.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.